Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. This week... We're going back to Disneyland, or Disney World, whichever one it is. We're going back to the collected oeuvre of the Disney network as we look at Pocahontas. That's right, Pocahontas, the film about uh, Native Americans and the New World coming together with songs. And joining me, we have, as always, someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has seen the film and one of our resident Disney experts, it's Nicola Brescianini. Hi! How are you, Nicola? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing, Stephen? Not too bad. And just a reminder for the folks at home, who are you, Nicola, and what do you do? Um, I am a self-proclaimed Disney expert, and in my real day job, I'm a primary school teacher. Does does being a an expert in all things Disney help in your capacity as a primary school teacher? Totally. I actually reckon that's why I got the job. <laughs> really? Okay. So is it is it more because obviously you're you're on top of all the current Disney releases? Yeah, so I, I yeah, yeah, I absolutely. I actually just saw The Incredibles two today, so this has been a pretty Ooh. good day full of Disney films. Excellent. I've still not seen it yet, but just in, in a word, is it good? Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. It's incredible. <gasps> Hi. Nicely done. And um, <laughs> yes, and you have seen Pocahontas. I have, and I love it. It's in my top five Disney films. Really? It is. Okay. And I, I can't give like less than a top five. Mm-hmm. Whenever people ask my favorite, I have to give my top five. Okay. Um, so it rates pretty highly for me. May I ask what other films are in your top five? Of course you can ask. I love talking about it. <laughs> um, so Pocahontas, mm-hmm. Hunchback of Notre Dame, okay. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Mm-hmm. Um, Meet the Robinsons. Oh. Yep. And I usually throw a Pixar movie in there for, you know, good measure, mm-hmm. and that's Wally. Right. Meet the Robinsons, I must admit, I didn't even realise was a Disney film until you said it. Oh, really? Yeah. I, well, I it's have, not very well known. I haven't seen it, so, yeah, of, of those ones, it's the one I haven't seen. And But it's in your top five. It is. It's really good. You are a Disney expert. Uh, self-proclaimed. So I will have to get onto that. <laughs> yeah, you make, definitely In fact, I'll make a note of that for the podcast. Let's meet... The Robinsons. Excellent. And joining us as our guest who has not seen the film and making her debut on the Cinema Catch-Up Club, it's Maisie Copps. Hi, Maisie. Hi. How are you? I'm very well, Maisie. Uh, For the folks at home, I have to ask, who are you, Maisie, and what do you do? Well, my name is Maisie. I am nine, and I am a school kid. A school kid. Now, (laughs) I've been out of the school system for a little while. What year is a nine-year-old? I am a year four. Year four, excellent. So you've still got a couple of years to go in primary school? Yeah, sort of. Excellent. And you've not seen Pocahontas? No, I haven't. It has been pretty high on my bucket list to see it, but yeah, I just have never really gotten around to it. Okay, what what do you actually know about Pocahontas? Well, I know it's 
sort of about like Native Americans and like the early British people sort of um, like putting aside their differences Mm -hmm. and just, yeah. But apart from that, I don't really know anything about this movie. Sorry to interrupt. Have you done history yet this year? Um, well, sort of, we do has yeah. at school, so it's kind of like, like the history of Australia, really. Yeah, because just so you know, Stephen, mm-hmm. in the year four curriculum, they actually learn about the early settlers and the journey over from Europe. So this is actually quite a relevant film for her to be watching. Well, there we go. We're very glad to be furthering your education here. <laughs> um, although we, we do have to have a few words with your mum, who uh, regular listeners may know is Tegan Mulvaney, um, because she hasn't sat you down to watch Pocahontas yet. And she's she's had you for nine years. How has this not happened? <laughs> well, I'm not sure but she doesn't normally introduce me to disney films she normally introduces me to things like who framed roger rabbit oh okay you know what? she's she's doing a good job i yeah. take that back i take that back tegan you're raising an excellent child <laughs> um well i think now is a good time as any to watch the film do you guys want to watch pocahontas sure yeah. all right and for those of you at home uh pop in your dvds and uh get your song sheets out to sing about gold as we prepare to watch Pocahontas. And welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Pocahontas, and by we, I of course mean Nicola. Hello. And Maisie. Hello. So, Maisie, this was your first time watching Pocahontas. What did you think of it? Well, it was quite a sweet film, um, and yeah, I just, I, I quite enjoyed it as well. It was quite a bit of a history lesson for me. Well, yeah, I mean, it, as, as we were saying beforehand, it, it is an interesting time period um, for Disney to choose to put a film, particularly, obviously, with um, Disney being based in America. It's from the the founding of modern America, I suppose. Um, it's, yeah, it is an interesting time period to look at. Um, Nicola, obviously, when when did you last watch Pocahontas? I'm curious. Oh, it would have been in the last couple of years, maybe two years ago. Okay, because as I was watching it, I was thinking, I don't think I've watched this since I was a child. I don't think oh, I've actually, really? yeah, because we had the VHS copy um, of, of Pocahontas in the in the late 90s and yeah i i don't think i've watched this film since maybe the 90s so it was really interesting watching it again and just feeling quite young again watching it yeah that would have been a huge like and you would have had a lot of different interpretations watching it now as an adult compared to watching it as a child you would have understood a lot more of it yeah just a bit i mean you know as a as a, as a when i was younger and i remember watching it i, I always remember going I mean, it's fun, but it wasn't one that was like on high rotation. It wasn't like Aladdin or Beauty and yeah. the Beast, and because those ones are a bit bigger, they're a bit showier. They've got you know the genie, or they've got um, Lumiere and Cogsworth. You know, they've got really great comedic side characters. And this one has good characters as well, but it's, I suppose it's because it's quite. My feeling watching this, and I don't know if you guys felt this as well, is that it was. Um, it was a bit more of a of a mature tone to the story than other Disney films. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I remember as a kid, I definitely remember having a Pocahontas puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember not liking it much as a kid. Mm. Same with The Hunchback of Notre Dame. I didn't like them because I don't think I understood them as well. I was younger. 
Yeah. I would have been maybe, well, this came out in 95. I was born in 94. Okay. So I would have seen it during the re-releases when I was about four or five. Right. And I didn't understand all those heavier um, themes yeah. and everything mm. that was going with it, all the historical aspects. But as an adult, I mm. love it. Mm. Well, I mean, Maisie, as uh, someone who is um, under the age of 10, uh, you're, you're sort of... Um, you are in the demographic for Disney films. And um, I, I, I mean, I know, Nicola, you can still watch them because <laughs> Nick looked very offended at me when I said that. Um, but, but, you know, Disney films primarily are aimed at a young audience. Um, and I presume that, you know, you've you've seen things like Frozen and Moana, like the recent Disney yeah. films. How, how does Pocahontas compare to those films for you? Well, um, I do think because of... It's it's kind of, it's more cartoony compared to more to the kind of animation that we have today. It's mm-hmm. more like three D from what we have, but I think they've made up for it for all of like the gorgeous colors that they put into it. Mm. Um, but um, I do think as well it is, as you were saying, a very more mature storyline. Mm. Um, yeah, it's I mean it it's primarily it's it's a love story. It's, it's yeah, a short it love is. story, but, but it is. It, I, I was getting reminded of um, things like Casablanca, weirdly, uh, watching, you know, because it's about two people who clearly love each other but can't be together. Now, obviously, very, very different settings and yeah. very, very different performances. Uh, you know, Mel, Mel, Mel Gibson and Humphrey Bogart <laughs> are very different actors. But, um, but I was getting those sort of like, you know, those classic doomed romance vibes. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And... It, it's an interesting one as well because it's you know it's it's Disney looking at um, historical figures who existed, and taking some liberties with historical accuracy um, for the sake of the children in the audience. Well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> it it is one of those interesting ones though in terms of like Pocahontas is probably more well known for this version of her in this film. Oh yes, wh- yeah. as a, as opposed to the real Pocahontas, who obviously um, when she when John Smith came to america the real john smith she was 11 12 11 so they never um they never met and had this big romantic story because she ended up she ended up with a different englishman didn't she yeah she ended up with a man um called sir john rolf Mm. who supposedly ends up in this sequel that i keep hearing about but i'm in denial that it exists have you not seen pocahontas 2 what? Two poker, poker hunters too. Yeah, two poker, two hunters. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, that's what they do because I I never saw Poker Hunters too, but I just remember seeing again on other VHSs the coming soon Poker Hunters yeah. two um, direct it, to DVD. Oh, no, it, not even DVD. Oh yeah, it was a host direct to home video. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she goes to England. She goes yes. to uh, London and uh, as as the real life Poker Hunters did. Yes. Um, although I'm imagining they chose maybe a slightly happier ending than what happened to the real Pocahontas, who, unfortunately, she was yeah. in her early 20s. Dysentery, didn't she? she? got very sick because, um, obviously, because she was uh, Native American and she came to a continent with a whole bunch of new diseases, she contracted them and, unfortunately, died of those diseases. Um, and she was only in her early 20s when that happened so i don't yeah. think i'm, I'm gonna say they didn't do that with pocahontas that's coming 2. in pocahontas 3 well that's why <laughs> that, that might be why there isn't a pocahontas 3 <laughs> um but yeah it, it it is interesting the liberties that they they choose to take for the sake of story yes it's it's a good story though like i think it is yeah i'm not i'm not always a big fan of when they when they play with history um sometimes it's fun sometimes it's 
sometimes I'm not a big fan of it, but this one I sort of feel I don't mind. Yeah, it's almost like they've taken it to the point that you can recognise that it's a historical story to an extent, but mm. you you appreciate the aspects that they've added so much that you don't really think about it so much. You're not mm. stuck up on the fact that it's historically inaccurate. Mm. Whereas other films that you know pride themselves on being historical films, you can end up getting stuck thinking, well, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Yeah. And it takes away from appreciating the film. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's completely fair. Maisie, I'm curious, obviously, uh, you've I, I presume you've seen a fair few of the Disney films. Yes, I have. How did Pocahontas stack up as um, a Disney princess compared to the, some of the others that you're familiar with? Well, I don't really actually... I, I don't picture her as a Disney princess. I picture her as like a girl, a girl like idol or something like that because I know all girls look up to Disney princesses. But when they look at Disney princesses, they look at them, they look for elegance and they look for things like that, especially because I have a little sister mm. and anything with a long flowing dress and a tiara is a princess to her. Mm. So, yeah. But, um, and because Pocahontas, she has this, um, I feel like if I were to relate her to any Disney princess, I think the other one that she would go with is probably Rapunzel. Really? Because okay. that same kind of adventurous spirit and curious about the world mm. and obviously they both have animal sidekicks. Well, what that's about true. Moana? <laughs> so, yeah. What about Moana? Oh, yeah. See, I, I, I definitely noticed the, the comparisons to Moana because of the... Uh, because of her being the daughter of the person in charge of the tribe. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. similarly in Moana, you've got these father figures who are going, you know, you're going to be the person in charge one day. You need to be responsible yeah Um, but whereas in moana of course it's just about moana being a responsible community member in this one um it's you have to marry kokoam you have to to bring that stability um now kokoam uh nicola yeah now i i I know go as i'm asking this question that you're more of a john smith fan i love john smith i had the biggest crush on him when i was a kid him Mm. and prince eric Oh, they, they they were your two. Oh yeah, they were my two. Okay, was was there was there a number one or was it they were kind of dead dead even? No, they would have been dead even. Okay, um, and Kokoam a bit lower on the list. A bit. Oh, he's just a bit of a nothing character to be mm. honest. Granted, he didn't get as much screen time as mm. John Smith did, but I think I have to agree with Pocahontas when she said that he's so serious. Like, mm. yeah, he's just, he doesn't. You know, he seems like a stand-up guy. Well, I mean, but... he, all, well, I mean, he doesn't really do anything wrong in the film. No, he, I he... just. I feel like he doesn't have a lot going for him either. No, I think he's just a bit unlucky, really. Um, yeah. Him and Nakoma, that would have been a good couple. Yeah, yeah, Nakoma. I mean, again, Nakoma, heart in the right place. But again, when she, you know, tells Kokoam, oh, Pocahontas might be in trouble, it ends up getting Kokoam killed. Whoops. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it, yeah, it, it is It is really interesting as well, because obviously... Uh, none of the three of us who are sat here are Native Americans, uh, yeah. or indeed have Native American heritage that I'm aware of. Um, but it's it's one of those films where obviously the they're depicting um, a, an Indigenous people, and I th- my own feeling, knowing not a huge amount about Native American culture, is I feel as though the representation in this is pretty good. But yeah. but at the same time, I don't want to be like, oh, it's fine. Like, for example, 
it's much better than Peter Pan. But <laughs> yeah, what a huge step up since the 1950s. Yeah, because um, have you seen Peter Pan, Maisie? Yes, I have. Yeah, um, the yeah, because the the Native American characters there are just very. They're, comedic yes. and comedic they're in real like yeah. in, in a bad way yeah they're real comical yeah it's characters. all yeah it, i've just remembered there was oh in in england around the time when i would have watched this film in the, in the mid to late 90s there was a comic series called the beano and one of their characters that i've just remembered and i don't know if this character still is in print but it was a little native american boy who you know, the Beano was all like Dennis the Menace and Roger the Dodger, and it was all just like young characters, usually boys, just causing mischief. But one of these like variations was this kid whose name I can't remember, um, but he was in like a Native American tribe, and it was all like those tropes from like cinema and things like that. And like every every sentence be- began or ended with a character going on um, in the speech uh, bubble and stuff like yeah. that. And I just had a horrible flashback to that. Going, <laughs> I, England, I, what are you doing? Just going, I read that as a child and didn't realise that was a problem until this very moment. Cause, well, you guys were the problem. Well, in fairness, okay, that is that is true. I, I there is it, it, it is interesting. <laughs> I think it's interesting that this film chooses to reflect on colonialisation by very much going it's the English's fault. Not the Americans who are there now, but it was those initial people that came over, like Ratcliffe, the Ratcliffes of the world who are here to take the gold. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's an interesting way to sort of slightly shift the blame away from... Um, from the rest of the Americans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's fair. I mean, you know, if you can, do it. But, um, <laughs> I, 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 but I, I think it's also... I mean, it is true, though, because this is... Um, there wasn't... A, the modern America at this point. This is one of those no. stories about the foundation. Yeah. Well, yeah, we can't blame Disney for that. <laughs> no. They're not trying to shift the blame. It was at the time. It was, yes. It was. <laughs> uh, Maisie? Yes. Um, as we're talking about villains, um, what did you think of our villain, uh, Governor Ratcliffe? Well, well, I actually quite enjoy watching villains because I think, I think the story wouldn't be a story without a villain. Hmm. Like, even if there's just one person who does something a bit wrong, it feels like, I know this may sound very, very weird or a lot of people might not agree with it. You need to have someone to blame it on in a mm. story. I, I think that's fair. Um, I Yeah, and I agree. I think sometimes villains can be very compelling characters, particularly in Disney films. Um, you can have some really interesting villains. Yeah. Um, I just really... I just really like Ratcliffe. It's it's mostly just his his vocal qualities. You love to yeah. hate him. You do. You're looking at him going, God, what a, what an idiot. I don't yeah. I do not like this man. But at the same time He's endearing. He's endearing in that he's just he's so pompous, he looks ridiculous. Uh you know, all the Barrel chested. Like well, double barrel chested. He's <laughs> huge. Um and you know, you've got Wiggins running along beside him going, Oh my let me look after you. Ooh. <laughs> And yeah, it, it, the, the, again, it's you know it's big, it's comedic, but at the same time, you know, Ratcliffe does represent, unfortunately, I suppose, the predominant viewpoint at the time. And I think that's also a really interesting thing this film does, is it shows, in a very very basic term, uh, a very basic you know uh, Disney way, I suppose, um, race relations, like mm. lo- looking at that. And I think it's something that. Um, was maybe a brave choice to cha- to tackle, particularly off the back of the 
uh, more light-hearted films of like you know The Lion King and Aladdin, yeah, uh, where you know they didn't deal with any of those issues, um, and then yeah, it, I, I, it's just it's just really interesting. Pocahontas almost feels like like a deliberately different shift. Just like okay, we've had a few good films, let's just try something a bit edgy, I guess. And obviously, it's something which we've seen them do more recently with Zootopia. Yeah. Um, which was yeah. looking at more contemporary, um, mm. uh, I suppose, race relation issues, but with a, with using the um, carnivores and herbivores uh, metaphor. Yeah, um, like predators and prey. Yeah, yes. predators and prey. Yeah, and it's yeah that one was I suppose a bit more that one kind of snuck up on me. I'll be honest when watching it, I was like, hang on a second, I'm learning this something. This is political. Yeah. <laughs> Um, whereas this one, it's very it's... Uh, straightforward. It's very these are the issues. These are the two sides. Yeah. Um, and I think, I don't know if you agree, Nicola, but one of the things that I quite enjoyed is that both, they show both of these different groups of people being extremely untrustworthy and that being more of a human nature thing than being yes. specifically cultural. Yeah, definitely. Um, and on that note, that Savages song that they have in it, I think does such an amazing job of kind of showing that, um, you know, both sides are both wrong. Mm. But having, like, just kind of mirroring each other. I think that's a really nice touch, having those, um, having all of the Indians dancing around and, um, you know, with their, they've got their um, little daggers and their hammers and I don't know what they're called. Mm. But um, they're, they're preparing for battle. Yeah, and then, for And battle. then we see how the English are doing it. Yeah, doing the same thing at the same time with the same song, both mm. having some references to each other that aren't very likeable. Mm. I think it's just a really nice mirroring yeah. In that scene. Yeah, and I think it's... I just think it's a very well done film. And, it's and, clever. And also with the Savages song, which for me I think is the best song in the in the whole thing, but we'll get to it, mm. our favourite songs in a second. Um, the imagery you were talking about, Maisie. Yeah. That image of like the two different clouds with the silhouettes. Oh, the and then yes. when they clash in the lightning. Yeah. It it's just really great visual storytelling. And uh-huh. yeah, and I think, as you, yeah, you were saying, the, the whole of Pocahontas is full of amazing visual storytelling that just is beautiful yeah yeah did you did you have a favorite image uh that that was created um i honestly i have like i I think i have three Mm -hmm. um probably so when she's first so when you first see pocahontas and she's standing on the edge of the cliff with the wind blowing through her hair. Mm. Yeah, that's gorgeous. That was really beautiful. Yeah, that's a, that's a power shot right there. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then um I also like when she's when she's in the canoe and she's just slowly going into Grandma Willow the so going and through the, all, all of the vines yeah. mm. and everything that was really beautiful. Mm. And I can't remember when it was, but there was this beautiful like almost like sundown um, it looked like sundown over the river and I think Pocahontas was like in a boat. I think she was on her way to Grandma Willow's, but I'm not sure, but it was just beautiful. The sky mm. was all I could focus on. I think it was done with like watercolour because it had like that kind of, that like watery look. Yeah, mm. I think that this movie is probably one of the first that stands out for its beauty in the artwork. Yes. Mm. There are a lot of Disney films where if you 
look at the artwork by itself like Sleeping Beauty for example mm. is a, I think is a great example of those geometric shapes and how they kind of used a specific style of artwork to create the film mm. but Pocahontas I think is one of the first ones where the imagery on its own really stands out as being so spectacularly beautiful mm. I love the scene um, where John Smith sees Pocahontas for the first time yeah. in front oh. of the waterfall with all the mist and everything oh, and she yeah. slowly stands up I think that is just gorgeous mm. Yeah, and again, having not seen it as a child, that that scene when I was a kid was just kind of like, oh, they found each other. Oh, look, they're you know not getting this whole like uh, you know it's a huge Starlet Lovers moment. But watching it this time, um, going, oh, this is great. Like, because obviously John goes from like thinking it's a threat uh, and having his rifle ready to go just in case to being completely blown away by seeing this essentially an alien. Because like they're from different continents, they call it the New World. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's almost like you know, even though Pocahontas is is human and John Smith is human, when they see each other, it's almost like they're seeing something from another planet, mm. and it's really remarkable, really fascinating for each yeah. other. Yeah. Yeah, and they're both like as equally. I think because this is, I think, one of the first scenes where you start to realise they're equal. Because, like, they're both as equally mesmerised by each other Mm. as the other one is mesmerised by them. So, like, they've never seen anything like each other before, which which is meaning that they're both complete strangers. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also important to note that John Smith has actually come across... Um, indigenous people before of course yeah because he's been on the voyages and he has that Mm. reputation as being you know a savage killer and everything Mm. but so i think it gives that scene a lot more gravity that he actually is so mesmerized Mm. by pocahontas that he actually stops in his tracks for it because he's probably killed so many of them before yeah and he thinks savages are these like horrible like bloodthirsty like thing that's his idea of mm. what he yeah. calls savages but then he sees when he looks at pocahontas mm. he knows where she comes from but when he when he see Poca, when he sees pocahontas he sees beauty and mm. that's not what he sees when he sees other native americans yeah and it's probably why he's so mesmerized by her as well probably yeah and i think it's also very important because then he gets he when he's um helping build the fort and he's quite down in the dumps i think part of that is like oh i've just seen this really lovely um person i'd love to see them again but mm-hmm. i think he might also be thinking i have killed people and i've just realized that they're people yeah. like cuz you know like yeah. you know we've we fought and we've taken their land and there is very clear messages from most of the characters where it's like you know well it is their land that kind of thing yeah yeah um yeah and i think the film just does a really good job of communicating that it's it's a fun film uh, <laughs> but it's a very powerful film as well yeah. i i i think they did a good job with the the comedic animal characters yes definitely um particularly as they don't talk i think that was a yeah. really good choice actually because mm. i think that had they had um talking sidekicks mm. it really would have detracted from the power and the message of it all yeah yeah, yeah this it, film doesn't it would work. have created a whole new storyline really yeah. this film doesn't work with timon and pumbaa no <laughs> it, it, like <laughs> no. those sort of characters i i don't think it works but but having 
little Percy the dog uh, just being very like violent and and aggressive, but then learning He's such a metaphor for the British. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. He's and, and and what they could have been, but yep. didn't do. And then similarly, you've got uh, Miko and Flit, who are both, oh, um, yeah, it's great. So cute. Yeah, really cute. Did you have a favorite? Um, I have to say, they're both equal like in their own way to me because Miko is just the cheekiest little thing, and then. We have Flit, and he's just... He reminds me of Sebastian, because he doesn't like strangers, and he's not sure Mm. about anyone, but then once he gets to know them, he's like, okay, I like Mm. you now. Mm. That's that's a really really good comparison, and uh, (laughs) yeah, I I think that it would have been definitely detracted if F. Flit had a Jamaican accent, so I think it's, yeah, (laughs) I think they maybe did a good choice there. Your your favourite songs? Um, did you, I, I've already said that I think Savages. It's just it's just got a great beat to it, and it tells that story really well. Um, do you have a favourite song, Nicola? To be honest, it's not a song that I don't like in the in the show mm-hmm. or the, in the movie. Um, but my favourite one was actually the deleted song, um, which was "If I Never Knew You," and mm. I'm uh, just. I was really sad that it wasn't in this DVD, to be honest. Yeah, but I mean, we did watch it on YouTube afterwards, and it's yes, it's a lovely can, song. Yeah, YouTube it if you're the copy that you watch doesn't have it. It's just if I never knew you from Pocahontas, it's usually the first mm. one that pops up. Um, I think it's just a really beautiful song. Mm. Um, I think it gets the like the gravity of the situation that they're in across. It really shows their longing to be with each other. Mm. Um, I just think it's really beautiful, and you know what. Props to Mel Gibson. Well, because that guy is not a singer, yeah. and I actually think he did. I mean, I'm not a singer myself. I think mm. he did a really good job. It's not often. I think that's the first time in the series we've had props to Mel Gibson be said. But really, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, props to '90s Mel Gibson. That's maybe the there way we to go. go. Okay. Um, yeah, and again, another thing that reminds me of Moana, because obviously Dwayne the Rock Johnson, um, yeah. not uh, yeah. not not traditionally a singer. But I think did a very good job as as Maui in that. You're film. welcome. Definitely. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. He sang that. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, yeah, Mel, Mel Gibson. He's he's got a he's not got a great singing voice, but he he powers through it. I also think it's a good fit for John Smith. The kind mm. that he has that kind of gravelly like it sounds almost I don't know what the word I'm looking for is a bit more rugged. Yeah, like you know, John Smith is this big adventurer and that kind yeah. of thing. I think it's. Quite. He hasn't had time to sing. He's been no. adventuring. And Whereas, you know, um, you've got David Ogden Steers doing the voice of Ratcliffe. So he's there going... And Wiggins. And Wiggins. Yeah, I, I didn't realise until I did research for this. Oh, really? That, that was... Yeah, he did both characters. And he's done heaps for Disney as he well. Has. He is like a man of a million voices. I know. And he, he only passed away this year, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, it was very sad to hear that. But um, yeah, he's fantastic. Maisie, did you have a favourite song? Uh, well, I'm going to have to agree with both of you. I think Savages is amazing because mm. it, it's kind of showing, like, they're both wrong and they both need to just settle their differences, mm. stop and realise what they're doing. Mm. And then also, If I Never Knew You as well, it's, it's such a beautiful song and I feel like, because I think it's just... Oh, it's just it's so beautiful mm. and it's just so heartfelt and that you would never you would never really think because you you didn't because when you first hear of John Smith you hear of him as this adventurer and you hear of him killing people and things like that and you think that he has no heart but then when he sings this you can 
like he's opening up. You can see his heart. Hmm. It's just beautiful. I mean, his shirt's wide open. He's practically like, look <laughs> where my heart is. He's looking a bit. Is it Fabio? Yeah. Yeah. He's looking yeah. a bit like that. A little with the bit. Hair but... out and the white shirt unbuttoned. Yeah. yeah. I don't think there is a bad song in this this film, and no. that's you don't always get that with Disney. No, it, no, it, no, there's no, normally no. one where you're like, ah, eh, the troll song. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> a guy um, like you. Yeah. <laughs> Damn gargoyles. Um, but the. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, Colors of the Wind is, is beautiful. Yeah, I was about to say uh, we need to pay special mention to that, because I'm pretty sure that won an Academy Award. Um, I don't have my list in front of me, but... I'm I, pretty sure it did. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Um, and uh, just around the river bend, which yeah. is brilliant. Oh, um, yeah. The imagery in that one as well, and Colors oh, of the Wind. Yeah. I think yeah. they've got that whole shot at the end of um, just around the river bend with the, you know, the steady stream and the rocky one and, you mm. know, her trying to choose which path she should take. Yeah, and having Kokum appear in the reflection as yeah. well. Yeah, it's it's very effective storytelling and it's it's one of the things that good Disney does so well is telling very the story visual. visually. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a real treat. And we haven't touched on Grandmother Willow, really. Um, no, let's do that. Who's, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's a fun character, isn't yeah. she? Yeah. Um, she reminds me a lot of... Moana's grandmother, because yeah. it's got that mm. same kind of kooky and crazy, but also wise, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, because she's just also she's fun and bubbly, and she's really really funny. And the same with Moana's grandmother, mm. quite stern um, as well. Yeah, and yeah. she can be stern when she wants to. Mm. But having that that sort of wisdom of the years, and yeah, yeah, being very. Well, in this case, literally grounded because she's a tree, but being very, very <laughs> grounded characters yeah. um, who who help our, our young heroines on their on their journey. She um, wasn't the original character, though. No, that and that's that's one of the things in the trivia which we'll roll into right now. Uh, we we do a bit of trivia from IMDb, and we you know just share these facts with you because you may not know them. Um, originally, Grandmother Willow was a male character uh, mm. called Old Man River. Because uh, they wanted Gregory Peck to play. He would have been good enough oh, He would have been so good. And I'm slightly sad it's not him, but I'm gladder that it, it is this current version because of of what they chose to do. So Gregory Peck, um, very, very famous American actor from the 20th century, uh, from things like To Kill a Mockingbird. And he would have been fairly old at this point. Yeah, um, he would have been. Yeah. And they, they asked him, oh, we've got this concept for this character, uh, Old Man River, uh, who was going to sing Just Around the River Bend originally. Um, that I didn't know. Yeah, that was originally going to be the Old Man Rivers oh, song. Wow. And they said, you know, this character is going to guide Pocahontas on her journey. And what do you think? And Gregory Peck went, I'd love to do it. I'd love to do a Disney film. But I don't think this character should be male. I think you need to make this a matriarchal um, character. Because she doesn't have mm. uh, her mother. No, she has no mother. No, she doesn't. Yeah. Which is, you know classic disney trope i mean her mother is present in the in the wind and in the spirits but yeah. she's not physically present mm. um i don't think she was in real life either no it, and it's it's one of those things that i i think gregory peck had a, a pretty keen sense of going he had yeah he had the right idea yeah he went yeah. no you, you you need a, a you, you need a you need, you need a womanly figure you need a, a maternal matriarchal figure for Pocahontas to turn to, uh, because she's already got the the father figure already. What's the point in having two of them with this old man River? So yeah, he, yeah, he turned it down, and they changed it to uh, Grandmother Willow. And that would have been an incredibly male centric film as well, because mm. you got all of the um, the English that come over are all males, yeah. and then even got... Percy the dog is yeah. English. Yeah, it would have been her and Nakoma. Yeah. So I think it was a good choice mm. making Grandmother Willow more motherly. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. There's that little thing where you go, "Oh, but Gregory Peck, it would have been great." But no, I think it's I think it's a really wise choice that they went. Let's make this a maternal thing. Mm. On your Gregory Peck. Yeah. Um, animators working on the film regarded it as being one of the hardest that they ever had to produce. The complex colour schemes, angular shapes, and facial expressions meant that the film was in production for five years. Yes. Uh, the hard work did pay off, however. Pocahontas is now frequently cited as being the most beautiful and realistic animated uh, character in the Disney canon. Um, and I, I think, agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, we, we now have a lot more 3D Disney films. Yes. Um, but I'd certainly say of the two D ones, her movements, the way the way everything is done is amazing. And like it was little things, like the way she was like sneaking to to spy on John Smith, and the way yeah, like crouching her and... yeah crouching, but then the way her leg would move and the way she'd like position the rest of her body, it felt it was just incredible to watch because it was like that's a really interesting way of moving and sneaking, but it's obviously effective and something that's a learned behaviour. But I wasn't questioning, oh, this is a drawing. <laughs> I was like, it looks so human. I think that her movements actually really made way for Tarzan. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. He moves in quite a similar way to her. Yeah, it was almost as though they, they combined the Pocahontas and John Smith characters with John Smith swinging on everything he could. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> John Smith the gymnast. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, Bringing and, aerobics to America. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that's a realist. That's a, it's a really good point because obviously Tarzan... That came out in 1999. So yeah, it was it was four years later. And it's, yeah, yeah. I, I, we need to do Tarzan at some point because I'm a Can bit... Can I come back for that one? Yeah. Have you seen Tarzan, Maisie? No. Wait, well, actually, wait. Oh. Say no. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I have, actually. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll confirm because if not, we can do Disney this. Disney 2.0. We'll do this again with Tarzan at some point because that's a great oh, film. Oh, that's a good movie. That's fun. Um, this film was released on June the 23rd, 1995, which was Pocahontas's 400th birthday. Yeah, 1595. Mm, was when... when... They assume that she was born. Yeah. Mm. But the, yeah, it's, it was the 400th anniversary. That's a, I quite like that. That's though. a pretty cool 400th yeah. birthday present. Have a yeah. film of your life. <laughs> but I wasn't that old when I met him. Hey, it's fine. <laughs> it's a gift. <laughs> <laughs> Take it or leave it. Mm. Yeah, it's like when... Um, yeah, Miko takes the compass. It's a gift. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pocahontas is one of only two Disney princesses to have been born in America. Um, Maisie, do you know who the other one is? Um, she's one of the newer princesses. Okay. Because um... I, I, I'm guessing by Nicola's face that Nicola knows. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm stumped on this one. You're almost there, aren't you? Oof. Would you like to tell her, Nicola? Princess Tiana. Oh! oh, oh. (laughs) How is she? I thought... She's from New Orleans. Ah! But it's a much more modern film. So it came out in the last... 2009, I think that one came out. But she... That one was set in the 1920s. Yeah, and to be honest, that took me by surprise. Because I went, oh yeah, obviously Tiana. And then I went... But no others. And I thought, no. and I went, no, none A of... lot of European princesses. Yeah. Which makes sense given, obviously, the context of a lot of the original text that they adapted into these yeah. films. But it just really surprised me that up until Pocahontas, there'd been no American Disney princesses. Yeah. There's quite a few French mm. and quite a few German. Mm. And then, is, it, is, is Merida the only Scottish princess? Yes, she is. Yeah. So you yeah. got Snow White's German. Um, Aurora is French. 
Then mm-hmm. Cinderella is also French. The two Frozen girls, are they Scandinavian? Yeah. Yeah. So Norway. Did... Norway. Okay. Okay. But, well, fake Norway. Yeah, I fake Norway. Norway. Arendelle. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then obviously you've got uh, Moana, who's Polynesian. Yep. Mulan, who is um, Chinese. Chinese. Um, yeah. I... Jasmine is from Middle East. Morocco yeah. is where they put her at Epcot. So that's what I go by. Okay. Um, and then, yeah. So yeah. Rapunzel's German. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, huh. Belle's French. Wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> I mean, it'd be weird yeah, if she obvious, wasn't. Obvious, obvious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you watch the movie and you hear hundreds of French words. Yeah. And, like, Lumiere, French accent. Yeah. On that note, David Ogden Steers was mm-hmm. um, Cogsworth in Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, obviously they liked him so much, they went, come back and play two characters in this one. And he was in The Hunchback of Notre Dame as well. Oh, who was he in that? He was the um, priest. There was going to be another animal sidekick character in the original oh. version. Uh, it was going to be a turkey called Red Feather. Uh, this was when they were originally planning on having the side animal characters speaking. Because uh, the actor who was going to play Red Feather was the American comedian John Candy. Um, now, John Candy uh, passed away in 1994. He'd already recorded his lines. But after he died, they made the decision to um, to to not use that work, essentially. they it's they like said kick in the coffin, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 and I think it was also partly they went, it's not really working having the animals talking. I do think it was a smart choice. I yeah. think it really would have taken away... From the story? Yeah. Yeah, it would have, like, taken out the attention. Because it is, like like we were saying before, it's um, it's a more mature storyline. So, there is, like, comedic... There's, there's comedic things in there. There's, yeah. like, comedic lines and things like that. But then also, because it is a lot more mature, I think that it, it kind of... Because it was really real mm. as well. It felt real and it looked real. Yeah. So, I think... Having the animals talking would have taken away that would would have taken away like a bit of that sense of it feeling like really real. Yeah, I th- I think that's true. It, it would uh, detract from the realism exactly as you say. I am curious to hear to know what it would have sounded like. I'd love to hear yeah. what John Candy <laughs> being a turkey would that's be like. Turkey, yeah, just running away from the Ooh. English, I presume. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was just an interesting one. I was like, oh, poor John Candy. <laughs> Um, I do like the Thanksgiving reference, though, with the whole, you know, Thanksgiving's not such a great... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, this film uh, premiered in Central Park in yes. New York on June the 10th, 1995. Um, the prints were projected onto enormous screens and the sound was set off by 12 frames to accommodate for the vast viewing area. Um, with over 100,000 people attending, it holds the world record for the largest movie premiere. That I didn't know. That's cool. Yeah, and it's like that's a really cool thing to do. Like, just we'll just put it in Central Park, have a load of people turn up. Um, yeah, and uh, they were very lucky in that it didn't rain because there wasn't really much they could have done. No, not in Central Park. Yeah, they they had a little bit of rain, but luckily it coincided with when it rained in the film. So ah, bit of, a 4D experience. Yeah, eh? <laughs> bit of, bit of Walt magic there. <laughs> Uh, some of the other actors that were considered, because uh, obviously they, they think of a whole bunch of different actors uh, to play these parts. Mm-hmm. Instead of having uh, the Australian uh, Mel Gibson playing the Englishman <laughs> with an American accent that was John Smith, um, Sean Bean was one of the actors that was considered. Who is that? What has he done? Um, have you seen The Lord of the Rings? 
no. I know of it. Okay. Who does he play in that? He plays Boromir. He's in The Fellowship. He's the one is that goes... the little... With no, the that's, that's Gimli. Uh, oh. Boromir is the uh, human that says one does not simply walk into Mordor. Oh, with the hair. Blonde hair, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, have you seen the first season of Game of Thrones? No. Okay. He's the main character in the first season of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Have you seen... Oh, there's... I forget the name of the James Bond. I think it's Goldeneye. No. Sean Bean is a great actor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and is, is from the North. So he's got a very Northern accent. Very serious. Say, so then would he perhaps have been a better choice accent-wise? Accent-wise, definitely. But also performance-wise. Um, he's, a, he's a brilliant actor, Sean Bean. It's just very, very gruff. Very... But was he popular at the time? Because we know Mel Gibson was. Yeah, he wasn't Mel Gibson popular. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that. So, yeah. But I, 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 maybe the choice would have aged better having Sean Bean than, uh, than Mel Gibson, given uh, his, his reputation yeah, in, the, in the 20 <laughs> years since then. Um, but I could have seen uh, Sean Bean doing that. It would have been good. Except for the fact that John Smith lives and Sean Bean characters tend not to. So... <laughs> Um, I also didn't realise Christian Bale was in this. Yeah. As uh, Tom. So young... Billy Connolly. Yeah. Well, Billy Connolly, it's kind of hard to avoid because he hears the Billy Connolly voice. Yeah. Only <laughs> Billy Connolly speaks up like Billy Connolly. And when you, you see that one Scottish guy walking around going, what are you doing over there? Ah, that kind of thing. You're like, uh, <laughs> Billy Connolly's having some fun. They went, that one accent. It, it went so well with Robin Williams. Let's get another comedian in and see what happens. Um, but having, yeah, I didn't know it was Christian Bale. And he plays such, like, the meek little... Mm. Like, it's an interesting fit knowing that he then went on to play Batman. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised at no point Thomas went like, oh, Batman. Didn't, he, he didn't try slipping <laughs> Thomas, in. Thomas, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> the cocoon attacked. I had to keep John Smith safe. <laughs> Both eyes open. Yeah. Both eyes open. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, okay, we'll finish uh, with some of the actors that were considered for the role of Governor Ratcliffe instead of David Ogden Steers. Ooh, okay. Okay. Uh, I just want to know whether or not you think these actors would have been good choices. Uh, Brian Cox? Don't know who that is. Okay. I do not. I think I've heard the name before. Well, there's there's the actor Brian Cox and then there's the astronomer Brian Cox. Uh, who was... Oh, so which one would it have been? Well, it would, it would have been the actor. Although, astronomer Brian Cox, who talks a bit like this, he goes, space is amazing. Like... <laughs> Yeah, you know um, who it is. Yeah, Brian. Bri- yeah, I don't know if Brian Cox would have been the best choice, particularly because, like, he was also in an '80s pop band called D Ream, and that's what he would have been most famous for at that time. Not so. terrible choice. Okay, okay. Well, he could have played the keyboard, but there wasn't one in the film, so it's all good. <laughs> uh, Stephen Fry. Ooh, that would have been interesting. Mm. Wait, who is he again? Because uh, I've, I've heard the name. Stephen so Fry many times. is the host, the original host of QI. Oh yes, yeah, yes. yeah. Englishman. He would have been great. He's he so good. Yeah. I mean, his it voice is lovely. Um, but yeah, just he could have been a really. I think he would have been a slightly more stuttery. Um, yeah, I don't feel like record. it would have had the same effect. It's not as a villain. Yeah, I mean, mm. he's played good villains, but but I I think the problem is is David Ogdensteers nailed it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The the other one on here which interested me was um, Sir, Sir Patrick Stewart. Yeah, yeah, I knew about that one. Yeah. I think he would have been a great choice as well. Yeah. Who's he again? Uh, he is Professor X from the X-Men films. I have not watched the X-Men wow. films. Wow. <laughs> I've got some films to recommend to your mum. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think ultimately David Ogden Steers was, was a good choice. He was. And the fact that he did both the villain and the henchman. Yeah. <laughs> it came so highly recommended. <laughs> 
Um, so all that remains is for us to score the film. So um, each and every week we give the film a score out of 10, and it's just reflecting where it sort of sits in our own personal scores. You know, if you choose to trust my opinion or Maze's opinion or Nicola's opinion, then be that on your head. Uh, Nicola, you can uh, start us off. What score would you give Pocahontas out of 10? Oh, I love this movie. I would probably, I rate it very highly among the Disney canon. I reckon it would be about nine, nine and a half. I really love it. Mm. No, it's, I mean, it's, it is gorgeous. And if you love a film, then I fully understand, yeah. you know, just, just giving it all the big marks. Exactly. Um, Whoops. And yeah, it, it is a, it, it's in your top five. I think, yeah, I think it's, the artistry is beautiful. The characters are beautiful. I think that I really like the voice actors, including Mel Gibson. Um, mm. Alan Menken did a great job on the score. I just, I, mm. it's hard to fault it aside from the historical inaccuracies, but I don't know much about Pocahontas's history in general, mm. so that doesn't affect me much. Well, we best get learning at some <laughs> point because uh, that would be, that would be good. Um, Maisie, what would you give Pocahontas out of 10? Oh, well, there's a lot of things I really love about this film. There is obviously the artistry, perfect, just colour schemes, um, the detail of everything that they have. Um, especially I love the beautiful landscapes that are in there. Um, and then I have, I like the, I like the, the, there's a good amount of comedy in it, although I do think there was, there was, some bits where there was room for some more um and then i really loved the songs were amazing um so i think i'm going to give pocahontas maybe an eight out of ten okay now that's that's perfectly fair and Mm. i'm sort of in the same ballpark i think i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna go with an eight as well um it, Mm. it is a it is a really lovely film it's a lot shorter than i remember um like it, it really flies by yeah um but yeah it was lovely so i i'm gonna give it eight uh moana 1.0s uh, <laughs> out of 10 because it does also feel as though it, this is like the original version of moana yeah to an extent <laughs> um and that is not a criticism of either film because i think no. they're both wonderful um yeah, that was that was a really, really lovely film. Um, Maisie and Nicola, thank you very much for joining me on this episode. Thanks for letting me watch it again. <laughs> well, thank you for introducing me to the wonders of Disney. Mm. And for those of you listening at home, thank you very much for downloading this episode. If you would like more information, we can be found at Facebook. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club there, and you can get more information, vote in polls, that sort of thing. Um, we are also available on Patreon if you want to become an official member of the club and get a few bonus goodies. Uh, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash Podcast. And of course, uh, make sure that you're subscribed to us via iTunes or SoundCloud or any other podcasting or podcatching service. Uh, but that's all for this week. So until next time, Anna. Did I, did I get it, Maisie? Was that, uh... is that how Pocahontas did it? Goodbye, everyone. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.